3D Dynasty Show on the Sports Gambling Podcast, brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN. Then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash shady for your chance to win $500. We're also brought to you by the SGPN merch store. Just in time for the summer, the SGPN merch store is a new line of mesh shorts. Use promo code SHORTS, store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com for 10% off. Brad. Looking like the bad guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Ronan. And uh, we, we got some shade. So I want to start the show uh, the show with a positive. Foster Moreau, he had he had lymphoma. His physical did not pass. And he ended up walking away from football for only a month. And so he um, medical cleared. And uh, Saints honored their contract that they originally offered him. And he's a New Orleans Saints and, and, and Saint, and so that was a very interesting move. Uh, you know, a guy that Derek Carr is very familiar with, and he goes to he goes to uh, you know, New Orleans with Carr. And I just had wrote up in my veteran trade targets, Juwan Johnson, as a uh, <laughs> target because they you know didn't have anybody else. But you know, Foster Moreau might be a sneaky guy. Uh, you follow the money, and you know, Juwan Johnson he got kind of the restricted free agent deal. But Foster um, got some money, and uh, you know he he's from uh, LSU, and now he gets to stay in New Orleans. So cool story there. Uh, you know, awesome to see him playing. John Mechie back in the field. Um, there's a lot of negative storylines in the NFL, but it's good to see some good ones. Um, today we're going to talk about the AFC West. We're going to recap the off seasons. We're we got a special treat for everybody. We had a one-on-one interview with Zach Stevens, a, a beat writer. Uh, for the Denver Broncos, and and Brad was able to set that up, and uh, I'll just I'll, I'll tee I'll give you guys some tea, uh, and you guys can, can get the uh, the full thing later. But he said there there may not be done adding to this offense. It could be a, a piece out there that they may they may add. But he talked a lot about you know Javante Williams, and he talked about how the offensive line and how the rest of this offense is gonna you know help Russell Wilson. And the you know how it's going to look under, um, you know Sean Payton. So, Brad, anything to add before we get into the Denver Broncos? No, I'm excited. I'm I'm actually a little excited for the Denver Broncos now. After listening to him, he talked a little bit, like you said, a little peak. He talked about cautiously optimistic. They're a little guarded, and I get that. But after we got done with that interview, I was hyped. I was ready to rock. I was happy for some of my friends that are Denver Broncos fans. And I hope it comes to fruition for him this season. So, well, um, so PFF gave their their draft a B plus, and they gave their off season additions an A minus. The Denver Broncos this off season spent a lot of money. I talked to Zach about this, and I, I said, you know, it wasn't just New Orleans Saints that were printing off money over there. Sean Payton must have been pulling the uh, the trigger because Sean Payton doing the same thing in Denver. They paid Zach Allen a ton of money. Uh, they got Michael Burton, a fullback, uh, also was from the Saints that he's familiar with. Marquez Callaway also went to the Denver Broncos. Riley Dixon, a punter. Kyle Fuller, a corner. Tony Jones Jr., also from the Saints. Uh, Chris Manhurts, tight end, used to be on the on the uh, Jaguars. Mike McGlinchey was a big signing. Um, a lot of people kind of question that one because, you know, they everyone kind of looks good in that San Francisco quick pass offense. But, uh, you know, McGlinchey's out there, uh, one of the highest paid tackles in the league, and they had to overpay to keep him from the Bears. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, he talked a lot about Samaj P. Ryan, and you got yeah. Mike Clay's um, – this is Mike Clay's projections up here, and Samaj P. Ryan's getting quite a bit of work, and he's getting more work than Javante Williams, which is exactly what Zach talked about. Ben Powers, a run-blocking mauler-type guard – and uh, Traymond Smith, a corner. Jared Stidham, 
Very interesting. Talk about a sneaky stash, if especially if you don't believe in, in Russell Wilson. Stidham got paid quite a bit of money to go there. And, uh, you know, the Move the Sticks talked about it. Like, that money speaks. And, uh, you know, Russ gave Russ a little bit extra of uh, motivation. Then little Jordan Humphrey, also from the New Orleans Saints, goes over there. And then in the draft, they only had a few picks. Marvin Mims was the really only offensive player. Like Alex Forsyth in the seventh round as a center. But Marvin Mims, big addition to the receiver room. Then you have Drew Sanders, Riley Moss, and J.L. Skinner for the secondary. So, Brad, let's talk about these uh, projections here. Mike Clay's projections. Yeah, it's it's interesting to look at, right? You put you pulled on the one that is clearly the most obvious, I think, to most people that can see the screen. If you're watching us on YouTube, that's at SGPN Fantasy Football, and that's Samaje Piran leading the team in both rushing attempts, rushing yardage, touchdowns, and receiving uh, receptions. Like the whole shebang, Samaje Piran, Mike Clay seems to think he's going to be the guy. And it makes sense with Javonta Williams coming off that pretty devastating knee injury. We wouldn't expect him, just like most guys that are returning from that ACL, to really return to full form that first year after, right? We've seen it time and time again where it really takes a year of, of kind of recovery to get back into the swing of things. And like you said, there was a little bit of a hint. We won't say who, but a little bit of a hint of a running back addition to this team with a guy that the Denver Broncos apparently have been talking to before the draft and again after the draft. So we'll see if they do any kind of ads like that to, to you know, spice that room up a little bit because I do think they could probably use, you know, and any team going in with Samaje P. Ryan as the one is probably not ecstatic about that, if, if I'm honest. Yeah, and it all and it's all going to be how comfortable they are. And Mike Clay <laughs> has Javante Williams for ten games, which means he's probably going to maybe start the season on the pup, or you know not play the not play the you know, beginning part of the season. And it could be a very J.K. Dobbins like season for Javante Williams, where you know maybe he doesn't have that corrective surgery halfway through the season, but you don't see him hit the field until after the first maybe month of football and then he doesn't really get up to full speed until October and I want to point at the quarterback so you have a top 12 Russell Wilson back in the QB1 territory he's got him down for 3,894 yards 24 touchdowns that's not the crazy part the crazy part is the 63 rushing attempts 322 yards and rushing touchdowns three so he is projecting quite a bit of rushing for Russell Wilson. Um, as far as the attempts, 521. Uh, last year, as far as attempts, they – he had, I mean, he had 55 attempts for 277 yards last year. So it's not crazy to think that with a team that hopefully moves the ball a little bit better under Sean Payton is able to kind of up by 50 yards. I don't think that's huge. To me, it's the touchdown. The touchdown total is what's there because if you think about what Russell Wilson did last year, it was not throw a lot of touchdowns. And to see him jump up to 24 from 16, and I think that's where really the kind of jump in production, because even his passing yardage is not really projected to be much higher than it was last season. So I, I think they're a little low to be so, honest. So let me, uh, but let me, let me ask you a couple questions. So Russell Wilson, would you, would you trade, let's say, 110 in a super flex league? You're looking at Will Levis, Dalton Kincaid, something like that, say Flowers. Would you trade that for a Russell Wilson? Yeah, I'm probably okay with that. And then uh, Javante Williams, uh, you're really kind of taking your, your lumps this year, hoping for a better next year. Are you paying 110 for Javante Williams? No, I, I think he's a very similar. You, That's you like Kendry Miller, Devin A. Chain, Zach Charbonnet at range. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And mainly because I think there's going to be an effect similar to what there was with J.K. Dobbins this year. You were able to obtain J.K. Dobbins extremely discounted this season. And then you saw him on the back end of the season really, you know, the second half start to kind of, return to his his old form he didn't have that long speed you saw him slow down and limp on those long runs 
but he got that explosion back. And I think you're going to see a very similar situation here with Javante Williams where, hey, right now I'm not buying him, but when he hits the pup and it's in season and teams are trying to figure out how to get, you know, how to get their team, how to make their team better, really, I think, matters. And that's when you're going to be able to buy him pretty cheap. Now, it's that time. It's that time to get back to our sponsors. I put on my shades from Shady Rays. I got a couple pair. I bought the wife a couple pairs, and I absolutely love them. Shady Rays is teaming up with us at SGPN for Shady May, not only to get you an amazing 50%. That's right. I said 50% off, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays has durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. <coughs> I'll cut that out. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by a lost and broken replacement. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they would send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. So wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have you back. They have your back long after the purchase. And for our international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered as well with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. So go to ShadyRays.com and use our promo code SGPN for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then take your receipt to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady Mate Contest. And if, like everybody, it's summertime. Everybody wants to wants to flaunt their new shorts, right? You go outside, you're feeling nice and cool. And I'm telling you right now, you got your shades from Shady Rays, and now it's time to get a great pair of mesh shorts for the summer. And SGPN has just dropped a new line of mesh shorts, perfect for any summer activity. Look, we put a pool in last year, and I am pumped to put these shorts on and go hang out on the deck, soak up some rays by the pool with my Shady Rays and our new mesh shorts. So head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and use our Promo code SHORTS for 10% off. Don't forget about Mother's Day. Those blue light glasses, those aviators. Um, you can definitely get some brownie points by dropping some Shady Rays in that Mother's Day uh, gift box. So uh, the, the wide receivers, everyone's playing about 15 games. Um, no one's being traded. And Jerry Judy is leading the pack with 107, 106 targets. Cortland Sutton, 95. Tim Patrick, 74, and then Marvin Mims, 31. K.J. Hamler is essentially non-existent. Um, obviously, Marvin Mims is a player that you guys are paying. You know, you're, you're paying up. You're paying a, a mid-second-round pick for in your Superflex leagues. You're paying a, a high second-round pick in your, your one-quarterback leagues. <coughs> expectations, you know, you can definitely drop your expectations a little bit for these rookies, and that's a good example for one. Um, you know, I like Marvin Mims a lot, but I, I just I'm not gonna expect him to do a whole lot this year unless maybe Cortland Sutton gets moved. Then you could see things change around. But then you have Tim Patrick there as well. But any thoughts here with you know Cortland Sutton? I mean, he's pretty cheap and he's getting 57 receptions, 772 yards, and six TDs. And this one would be uh wide receiver 43. Yeah, I mean, it's I think these are fair projections. I I also think they're kind of vanilla. Right. I mean, it's like, OK, what stats did they have last year? And let's just give them around the same stats this year. There's really no projection here for me. Uh, and I think that's where I'm a little bit different on these. I think you're going to see a situation where we I think about last year. Kendall Hinton had over 300 yards receiving. Now, I know Tim Patrick wasn't in the picture last year. You saw him step up. You saw Latavius Murray catching passes. Melvin Gordon catching passes. They had multiple tight ends that were catching him. But this is a situation – I look, this is a new coach. This coach has no bearing, no loyalty to Tim Patrick. So I don't know why there's this infatuation thinking that Sean Payton's going to come in and take a guy that has really not excited many people, 
Has he been decent when he's been on the field? Yes. But then he comes in and he drafts his second round pick in Marvin Mims, and yet Tim Patrick is going to be the third receiver. I just don't buy that. I think Mims is going to be the third receiver, and I think Jerry Judy is going to see a little bit of a bump as well. I really think Russell Wilson is going to have a little bit more yardage than what is projected here. I think he's going to break that 4,000-yard mark, which is not crazy to think right now. And you're going to see some of those. I think that yardage from Tim Patrick is going to shuffle down to Marvin Mims a little bit. And I think Jerry Judy is going to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Yeah, and he's got Russell Wilson for 16 games. So yeah. if Jared Stid- and Jared Stidham for one. So you give him that one extra game, he pops over 4,000. So, uh, you know, last thing would be Greg Dolzik. I think a lot of people have expectations for him that he could be a top 12 tight end. And he is number – he's he's 10 and 20. So that's a little bit – little bit uh lower than a lot of the uh, Greg D fans would like to see. Um, you know, uh, you remember the beauty days of Jimmy Graham and people can get excited about that. Jeremy Shockey, Jason Witten, a lot of great tight ends under Sean Payton. Not expected here. A lot of that production is going to Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and the running backs. The running backs are getting, I mean, you have a combined 80 receptions to the running backs there with, uh, with those five guys. So let's go on to the next team. And it's the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, you know, with with the Chiefs, they're another team that had a, a you know, they had a good offseason. The rich got richer. Um, as far as the offseason, they're uh, free agents. They got Brian Cowart, Mike Edwards, Blaine Gabbert, Phil Haskins. They got Richie James Jr., kind of a sneaky little signing there. Um, they're just getting the Giants receiving core from last year. Um, Charles Aminhu, uh Omen Ihu and uh, Jawan Taylor is the big one to the offensive line. They lost both of their offensive tackles. What's not on here is they also signed Donovan uh, Donovan Thomas uh, used to be the uh, tackle for the Bucks, and then they got Drew Tran- Tranquil, linebacker from the um, Chargers. Chargers, and then they they have one of the youngest defenses in the league. They pay Patrick Mahomes. They've had to go young everywhere else. They, they got um, Anaduke Uzama, uh, Kansas State, uh, the edge from Kansas State. Rasheed Rice, uh, Wanya Morris, another tackle. They got Shamari Connor, corner. And um, then you have uh, B.J. Thompson, uh, Keandre Coburn, and Nick Jones. So a lot of defensive players other than Rasheed Rice. And so – Looking at the projections here, um, you know, first thing you see obviously is Patrick Mahomes is QB one. QB one overall is what they have him projected to be, and then um, there's no really not really much to talk about with Mahomes, but the backfield they have a top twenty four finish for Isaiah Pacheco. Um, what are your thoughts there, there, Brad, with Pacheco? Because he's someone that I've you know kind of been telling people to sell this offseason. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I didn't really add anybody to that room, right? I get they, uh, you know, they re-signed Jarek McKinnon and brought him back. And he's going to take a lot of that receiving work inside the red zone, like we saw him kind of scavenge some of those touchdowns later on, you know, and really take some guys to fantasy championships, if we're honest. You know, guys who had him on their bench probably ended up winning a couple games that they probably shouldn't have. Uh, but I think Isaiah Pacheco, he's, you know, it's Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to be in a lot of situations to score, and he's going to get the opportunity to bust that in. He's going to be the between the, the 20s guy. He's going to be able to rack up that yardage, and I think that's a fair fair finish. But I do believe, to your point, he's an in-season sell at that point, right? Because he, he's got – this is – the wheels are going to fall off for him eventually. So uh, this offense was pretty good last year. Um, never <laughs> – they, they were not number one in points, number one in yards, number one in points per play, number one in yards per play, number two in th- third down conversion, number two in fourth down conversion, and number two in red zone scoring percentage. So they were good at football last year and uh, a lot of returning pieces. The biggest question marks were the running backs and the receivers. We don't really have to talk about Travis Kelsey, who's also number one. Um, as far as the running backs, uh, they have uh, Jerick McKinnon at RB35. 
that's pretty solid. And, you know, your zero RB guys can go and get them super cheap. Um, but if you're looking for a, you know, a bench running back, I mean, these are two fairly cheap running backs that you can get right now, Pacheco and McKinnon. Pacheco is a little bit more expensive, but McKinnon be a decent buy. And they haven't met, you know, as far as receptions with uh, 40, 43 receptions, 366, 386 yards and three TDs. This guy was on a tear at the end of the season last year. One of the most uh, productive backs at the end of the season, him and Tyler Algier. Yeah, I mean, that they're affordable. Even though Isaiah Pacheco is going to be a little bit more expensive than McKinnon, he is still extremely affordable. And right now, if you get him, you can – I feel – like I said, I feel like he's probably now currently a buy candidate before the season starts – and then you can move him in season to a, a you know running back needy type of uh, team. Yeah, and we want to make sure to make sure to talk to you guys about Talkify. Um, life is full of what ifs. So uh, you know, what if you're trying something new when it comes to dating? Uh, Talkify is a new way to meet our you know other serious singles. Um, and, and what what if they could help you out with what you're looking for? Um, are you having a hard time uh, meeting great people and trying to date? Uh, why do you keep trying the same methods over and over as if you know, you're trying to set yourself up for failure? It's time to say goodbye to swiping and bring back the human touch to dating with Talkify. Confidence is key when it comes to dating, but if you're struggling to find worthwhile connections, it can be difficult to feel your best when meeting new people. With Talkify, you feel confident when you're meeting someone new, and, and this person is specially picked just for you. Uh, Talkify is country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve relationship success. Their trusted com- compatibility specialist hand select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively. Here's how it works. The Talkify matchmakers meet with you to learn about you and what you're looking for in a partner. Then they select and uh, they select and screen potential candidates to match with you. Doing background checks, video interviews, and asking tough questions that are a little little awkward on the first date. They do it for you. From there, your matchmaker plans your date, introductions, handles all communications, creating a safe and stress-free dating experience. Talkify is committed to finding your match. 80% of clients meet their match within their first 12 dates. And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash SGPN. That's Talkify.com slash SGPN for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com. Backslash SGPN. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get back to the uh, receivers. Kadarius Tony, uh, you know they, they you can see Mike Clay doesn't know what to do with it. Kadarius Tony, he's going to have fifty receptions and uh, six hundred twelve yards, five touchdowns. Marcus Valdez Scantling's going to have forty receptions, seven hundred twenty-five yards, five touchdowns, and Sky Moore is going to have. Seven, he's going to have 48 receptions, 627 yards, five touchdowns. And Rasheed Rice is going to have 35 receptions, 455 yards, four touchdowns. So all these guys are generally going to have about 140 fantasy points, except for Rasheed Rice, 105. None of them are, are wide receiver fours. Wide receiver 50, wide receiver 57, 58, and 84. And it could come differently. Like Kadarius Tony could have three or four weeks where he's the wide receiver six. And then Sky Moore's got one or two weeks where he's a top 12 guy. But they're not, they don't think these guys are going to, either of these guys are going to finish as a top, even top 49 player. Thoughts, Brad? It's weird, right? You see all of them with 74 targets. Look, at some point in time, somebody, in this squad has to emerge somebody not named Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is going to get his regardless. I'm taking my shot on Kadarius Tony. And I did in the draft. I made a trade. I traded out of a spot. Uh, and I think the early second round, I moved to the late second round or early third and added Kadarius Tony. I think the hype is around this guy. We've seen him. He's got the talent. He just needs to have a, a full season with the Chiefs to work, a full off season to prep, and now they're saying he is the one. Now there's a lot of people saying a lot of things about a lot of people right now, but 
do I think MVS is some superstar potential pot waiting to break out? No. Justin Watson? No. Richie James? No. So now we're down to Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, and Rasheed Rice. Look, Sky Moore was minimal playing time last. And I mean minimal playing time last year. We hope that Rasheed Rice adds a little bit to that team. But as far as explosive plays go, Kadarius Tony is the guy. So I'm taking a shot on the guy, even though he's not necessarily – he is, I guess, projected to be the highest uh, because probably receptions, even though his yards are way down. But he, he's the guy I'm taking a shot on in this, and it would not surprise me if he is a top 24 wide receiver. And you know, the, the, the biggest thing with, with Tony has never been the talent. Everyone's seen it, and uh, it's just been availability. And with the Giants – Year one, the availability was was not there. With the Giants, year two, not there. He traded to the Chiefs. It wasn't like he magically became, you know, a model of health. He missed a bunch of games, but he did have more production when he was with the, the Chiefs last year than, than the Giants. Not much else with the Chiefs. I mean, you just you can you can take your shot on one of those guys and, and hope that you're right. It, it's just it's difficult. Tony has question marks. Valdez the scaling question marks, sky more question marks, Rasheed Rice as well, on top of being a rookie. All those guys are going to help um, Patrick Mahomes have a, a great season. We just really don't know if anyone's going to really um, – they might spread the, the wealth out a little too much because Jerick McKinnon, if you look at it, those guys have 74 targets. He's got 56. Um, so he's getting quite a few targets too. Who do we got next? All right. Going to the Chargers. Going to the Chargers. Go, Chargers, go. Yeah, I'll apologize for all the coughing. Apparently, I was not on my mic, and I was on my computer. So another rookie mistake by yours truly. Well, it, it's, <laughs> we got a, it's been rookie fever, so <laughs> yeah, um, right. Brad caught it. And so they've had a very, very uh, interesting offseason. They've only had one addition. And that's Eric Kendricks as far as the free agency. One free agent. And their draft wasn't even that crazy either. They only had uh, seven picks. Um, so Quentin Johnston. Then you have uh, Tula Tuipolotu. Then you have uh, Dave, Dave, Daywan Hanley. Uh, so Hanley's a linebacker. Um, Tuli is a, an edge um, from USC. Darius Davis, speedy receiver from TCU. So they grabbed both TCU receivers. Jordan McFadden is a tackle from Clemson, Scott Maylock, and then Max Duggan from TCU. I don't know where the TCU connection is. Maybe it's Kellen Moore, but they went shopping at TCU this year. And so they got an A- for both. Um, and then last year, and this team was pretty good to start the season, and then Justin Herbert got hurt, and they just really weren't the same. Um, you know, as far as as far as their, their rankings, you know, I, I – you got to take it a little bit with a grain of salt with what happened. They lost their left tackle. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were both – they were rarely on the field healthy together last year. And when they were healthy, Justin Her- Herbert wasn't healthy. So it was just a really rough season for the Chargers and probably par for the course for Chargers fans. Um, so Justin Herbert, you know, a lot of people are expecting a bounce-back year. Um, what are you seeing here, Brad? He's uh, – Projected to be quarterback eight. I, I mean, all I get it. Projections, you try to be, you know, kind of, kind of low on them. But with injuries, right? You talked about all this stuff. Justin Herbert hurt. Mike Williams hurt. Keenan Allen hurt. Not ever healthy, really, together throughout the season. And it, with all of that. Justin Herbert still threw for 4,700 yards. And now with the expectation that he's going to be healthy, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams coming back healthy, the addition of Quentin Johnston, the addition of Darius Davis, a burner, he goes down 400 yards. Like It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I do like to see the touchdown uptick. But the 4,300 yards in a, in a full season is not enough in my mind. So I do think there's some changes that need to happen there. I think this this uh, 
production is a little low in my mind. So I, I'm a little more excited about the offense as a whole here. Not having a thousand yard receiver, I think is likely probably not going to be the case. But I also understand you see the projection for Quentin Johnston pretty darn high for a rookie wide receiver at 715 yards and five touchdowns. So uh, I just think it's a little low for Herbert. Yeah, and you got some really, really good uh, project- projections here for a lot of players. Austin Eckler projected to be the RB1 PPR setting. They're projecting him for 67 receptions, which takes a little bit from the other guys, but again, should add some yards to Justin Herbert. I'm looking at his rushing. Only 202 yards, that, that's not a lot. That's that's not a lot. What's that? Twenty you know twenty yards a game. Um, you know Herbert ran a lot more his, his rookie year than he did you know last year. But partly part of that I think was due to the injury. He wasn't really running after that. Joshua Kelly is projected to be the number two, and he's getting quite a healthy workload. Um, still not not a lot for Isaiah Spiller. So guys like me who really really went in on Spiller last year, that's that's another thing where it's hurting. But you know, there is rumors that, you know, they could be in the you know market for a bigger back like Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott that could come over there and, you know, give them a veteran presence with some of these young guys. But if not, you know, Joshua Kelly is the second man up in this offense. He could be a buy right now and you could get him for, I mean, seriously, if you were in a draft right now and you're sitting at 309 and like, yeah, I don't really like what's on here, I'll give you. Three, uh, I'll give you three hundred nine. You give me Josh Kelly and four hundred six. Like, you're you're not gonna have to 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 you know pry him out of someone's hands. No. Um, Keenan Allen, I know he's not gonna have that much longer as far as his career, but one hundred twenty five targets, eighty eight receptions, nine twenty four yards, six TDs. I mean, that's a solid season, and you could get Keenan Allen for very cheap. Mike Williams, solid, another solid season here. It'd be, you know, a tw- top 25 finish. I mean, very, very solid. And then Quentin Johnston, for a rookie, that is a, that'd be a very good season. If Johnston were to pull 715 yards and five TDs rookie year, that might be one of the top rookies in this class. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, people look at that and over the last couple of years are like, a measly 715 yards. Like, that's not even that good, but we got to put all these rookies in context. Not everybody is Justin Jefferson. Not everybody's Jamar Chase. Um, you know, just keep that keep that in mind. You know, CD Lamb didn't have that breakout season until last year. So, yeah, and you know, I think uh, you know if you had Johnston and get he gets 153 PPR fantasy points, you should be very happy because that's that's pretty good. Um, I mean, think about it. He's going to be likely facing the the a nickel corner. Are they going to put him in the slot? Or are they going to leave Keenan in the slot and have him on Keenan, the outside? I think Keenan would play in like the how, slot. How are they going to play that? I, I think you can probably do a little bit of both, right? You can move those guys around a little bit, create some matchups. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Keenan's going to, you know, dominate the majority of the snaps in the slot for sure, though. Yeah, and you look at Kellen Moore taking over as the play caller. This is a team that's going to run a lot more three receiver sets and a lot fast, a lot more fast paced offense than they what they're running with Lombardi. Then Gerald Everett, kind of a sneaky play down there. Tight end fifteen, kind of a Hayden Hurst, kind of a, a like last year. Probably can get you know nine to ten. And, and last year, kind of Gerald Everett. I mean, he was pretty solid last year as a, as a fantasy producer. He had some off weeks, but. I mean, everyone really does, unless you're Travis Kelsey. And so um, he he had some pretty pretty solid production last year, and you're expecting it again. So uh, last but not least, we go into the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders. All right. The, uh, the Raiders have a new quarterback. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, we were looking at it before the show, that uh, the Raiders – and uh, Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo both are two of the top guys at throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. And uh, part of Josh Jacobs' huge year last year was because of how many receptions he had. They were 22nd in uh, rushing last year, Brad. I think they were 22nd in rushing. Oh, yeah, 22nd. Yeah, sorry. And he was the, the RB1. And so 
Um, you're looking at 20 touchdowns from Jimmy G, 3,875 yards, um, QB 22. And they only have him playing 14 games because Jimmy G tends to miss time and Brian Hoyer covering the rest. So thoughts on Jimmy G? Yeah, I'm, you know, I was hoping to get some stats in here real quick before we got too crazy, but, you know, has has Jimmy G had a thousand yard receiver? Has he had? I don't know that he has. I know Brandon Ayuk was a thousand yards last year, but that was Purdy the last few games. Debo Samuel the year before that, but I don't think he had a thousand yards rushing. I think he was over a thousand combined. So I don't know that this guy's ever thrown for a thousand yard receiver before. And wow. I mean, I know he's never had Devontae Adams, but do we really think he's going to throw for that many yards? I just don't know. Well, I mean, Jimmy G's never thrown for, you know, he throws for 400 yards and the receivers and running backs do the rest. And so we'll see here. I mean, he's got a pretty good group of weapons, um, similar to what, you know, he had a good group in, in San Francisco. Josh Jacobs, he's a good receiving back out of the backfield. And then you have Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and then um, they have Austin Hooper and Michael Mayer at tight end. Um, so with Jacobs, they haven't projected to be RB7. Um, Jacobs is a guy that had a heavy, healthy workload last year, and they're expecting it again. You're looking at over 300 touches for him. Interesting that Amir Abdullah is actually second on this list as far as, you know, as far as their PPR points. But, um, Samir White is someone that a lot of people invested in, hoping that he would take over as starting back this year. Do you think we'll see more Zamir White or, or Amir Abdullah this year with Kellen Moore, take, not Kellen Moore, with Josh McDaniels, or is he going to continue to just run Josh Jacobs to the ground on that franchise tag? Well, I mean, Josh Jacobs is going to dominate, and he's going to run him into the ground. And, I mean, if you think about what – Josh McDaniels is done. Yeah, he typically has two, but Zamir White is more of that pound the rock kind of guy too. He's more run between the tackles. He is kind of not, not a mirror image, obviously, of Josh Jacobs, but that's his style. So, I, I mean, if they were going to implement a two-back type of system like he's done in the past, I think Amir Abdullah is more likely to be the one to see more of those opportunities because of his pass-catching ability that really Zamir White doesn't have. You know, maybe Brandon Bolden could challenge for that a little bit, but I think I agree with the projections. I think some of the the receptions are going to end up with Amir Abdullah, Amir Abdullah. But I do, from a wide receiver perspective, think that, you know, we talked about kind of those sneaky buys. I think Jacoby Myers is that sneaky buy right now. Like, you see him here. He's projected as the second wide receiver here. You you, there were a lot of really solid weeks of production from Jacoby Myers in his time in New England, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. He's going to step in to be that true number two for the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think the deep threat that he provides, I think you're going to actually have some really nice, surprising production from him. Well, and, and you look at Hunter Renfro's not far behind him, and you know Hunter Renfro, he's always done well when Darren Waller's out of town. But Jacoby Myers comes in and takes over that slot role. So I'm interested to see how they use them because both Myers and Renfro have traditionally played in the slot. And so how are they going to coexist running, uh, you know, playing on this in the similar, you know, portion of the field um, in those lower short to intermediate routes? Um, as far as the uh, tight ends, you have Austin Hooper and Michael Mayer essentially splitting duties, having almost the same production here. Um, a little bit more production for Hooper with, um, you know, 20 more targets or 19 more targets and 12 more receptions, about 100 yards and one TD more. Uh, and then Michael Mayer has got, you know, a tight end 34 finish, Austin Hooper tight end 27 finish. Um Thoughts on that? I mean, I think people that drafted Michael Mayer early in the second round would be disappointed to see this. Uh, I, I think he goes in as a starter day one. I think he's just a better player. Austin Hooper, been doing this for a long time, but I do think they would they would go with Mayer. They used a pretty high draft pick on him, 
and uh, and Austin Austin Hooper just hasn't done anything in a while. Yeah, I I mean this is another one of those projections where it's like I feel like all you did was kind of and I I know there was a lot that went into these and I'm not trying to diss them or whatever, but it's almost a mirror of last year if you think about what Foster Moreau and Darren Waller did together. They had about 800 combined yards and and this and that, you know, Foster. But the reason is that is because they were hurt at different times, right? So I I think they're going to lean on one of these tight ends. And I do believe it's going to be Michael Mayer. I think he's just a better overall tight end. And I think he's going to be able to prove that in camp. He's going to come in, be the day one starter. And the bulk of those targets and receptions to the tight end are going to go to him. So I think he's, it's going to be more, you know, where you could say this is, what is that? Maybe, well, 60, 40 is what we're looking at from a target perspective. I think that's going to be reversed, if not a little bit larger. So maybe a 70-30 type of gap, and Michael Mayer is going to get the majority of those, in my opinion. Yeah, and look at that. Uh, draft capital really uh, keeps you in the league a long time. O.J. Yep. Howard and Austin Hooper <laughs> hanging out there with Michael Mayer. All those yeah. guys had really good draft capital. were really highly highly touted prospects. So, Brad, uh, the last thing I'll, I'll leave us on before we go to Zach Stevens is um, – you know, make sure you guys make sure you guys are going in and checking out sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We got our rankings out there. We also got a ton of articles. Uh, we also got, you know, this is a show that has a lot of different shows on this channel. We have the IDPs with, with, with Gary and, and the rest of the crew. We have uh, Best Ball. And then we also have, you know, our other Dynasty show, you know, with Emerson as well. So there's a lot of content. We keep you guys busy. Nine shows on, on this one channel. So make sure you subscribe to SGPN Fantasy Football, uh, as my son would say. Smash that subscribe button, and um, and then uh, the last the, the last thing I'll say is, you know, um, I, I saw I saw a thing on Twitter today where uh, I put a post up. Somebody commented a trade, and so I want to I want to ask you, Brad, would you veto? I'm not sure if you're a veto guy or not. If somebody traded Jameer Gibbs for a third next year and James Connor. Um, so I have uh, vetoed a, a trade before and actually resulted in two people leaving the league. One of which was my younger brother because he was mad that I did it to him. So um, I think there's context here that you got to understand, right? Is the owner is one of the owners, uh, you know, not around. They come in every once in a while. They're not very active. Right. If that's the type of situation, yes, I would absolutely veto that because it's for the better and the longevity of the league. Uh, if both teams are active and they're on the message board all the time and they're making transactions and their their lineups are set. Hey, look, good job on you for getting the dude to take a really bad trade. You know, so I think as a commissioner, you got to understand where your league is at and sometimes make those tough decisions. Uh, but most of the time you want to just kind of leave it be. And this is where you smash the gifts uh, of the dump truck, throwing all the garbage out and a dumpster on fire, you know, whatever gift you want to throw out there to let them know that it was a complete garbage trade because it is. But I do think it matters on whether or not the activity of those owners, uh, you know, where that's at in your league. Yeah. And my buddy, uh, shout out to my buddy, Greg Kellogg from Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. He was giving me a hard time about this one, and he said, you know, hey, there's not a lot of people that have gotten actually, like, actually been good from the 102 spot. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's all projection. It's all subjective. But dude ended up paying, you know, $100 for a ham sandwich. You could, <laughs> you know, I'm running a, a poll right now. You could get James Conner for the 207, 208. And, you yep. know, if you wanted James Conner for Gibbs – that's fine, but you can get James Conner plus a plus first, first next year, a first this year, not a third. And so you're really hurting your team. When you when you take your team and collect all the assets together and, and treat them as as a you know as a bank account, you just like lost money. And so like that's one of your more valuable assets, and you just sold it off at a pawn shop. Instead of yep. going and, and actually getting full price for it. So, um, but we're going to get to Zach Stevens. Can you tell everybody who Zach Stevens is, Brad, before they get into it? 
Absolutely. So Zach Stevens is the beat reporter for the Denver Broncos. His You can find his work at, at thednvr.com. And he is uh, on Twitter at Zach Stevens DNVR. He is the official beat reporter for the NFL for the Denver Broncos. Thank so. you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing, man? Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. It, it's great to be talking football. And, you know, you can talk football 12 months of the year. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, right? We just wrapped up the draft. We're going to get in to, like we said, the Denver Broncos. And I can't help but ask, doing a little bit of research, Zach, it seems like you've been a lifelong Denver Broncos fan. So who is, just let's, let's ice break a little bit. Who is your favorite Denver Bronco of all time? Man, I mean, you could start with the stars and the quarterbacks, of course. I mean, the, those take the headlines. John Elway, Peyton Manning. Also throw Tim Tebow in the mix oh, there. Yeah. He had a uh, pretty magical season with the Broncos. But uh, just going personal favorite for me, I'm going to go Al Wilson. He was a fantastic linebacker for the Broncos and uh, was just a monster on the field. His career was cut short due to, a, due to a neck injury, actually. But, man, he was so good and really on a Hall of Fame path before getting injured. So I'll, I'll go there. Also, Steve Atwater, uh, just an incredible safety for the Broncos, Hall of fame safety uh he fantastic and also just such an awesome guy too i love it i love it and it's hard to pass up on some of those big names right but the defensive players they don't just they just don't get enough right when i watch yeah. the denver broncos now i love watching some of these cornerbacks and patrick certain and saying this dude like if i get to watch this guy for 10 years play at that kind of level oh man I get to tell oh. my grandkids, hey, I got to watch Patrick Sertain play. <laughs> you know, like I'd be all about that, you know. So. That, that, that's exactly it. And, I mean, Champ Bailey is another easy one to throw in there. And we're already kind of getting into the area with, with Pat Sertan where it's not crazy to say that he could be on a Champ Bailey type of path right now. His first year was really, really good as a rookie. Didn't get any accolades. His second year, he wins every single first team all pro award that was given out by anyone he was a pro bowler starter in the pro bowl and there's really no reason to believe that he's going to slow down so i mean yeah that's a great one right off the top of your head right there and a guy who for the next 10 years should be should be elite fingers crossed i've got a few friends that are denver fans so i hope for i hope for them just as well as you that that is actually the case so all right, so now we're going to shift gears a little bit. So I'm a big Cleveland Browns fan. I got some Browns helmets up here, assigned, assigned football. And again, doing a little creepy stalker stuff, I noticed <laughs> that you happen to be a remote scout for the Cleveland Browns, my Cleveland Browns. So I got to ask, who was your favorite or most successful scouting situation while you were uh, in your tenure with the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, so I, I was doing scouting for the Browns 2014 and 2015 draft classes. No, 2015 and 2016 draft classes started in 2014 and went through those two drafts. And I got to say, there was not many successes at all when I was there. I mean, that's a Johnny Manziel draft. That's when things were just in the dark ages for the Browns. I mean, I guess the dark ages have been, have been pretty long, unfortunately, for you. But um, it, one one big hit which was nice. Joel Batonio, of course, you know, the uh, the guard, what, five-time pro bowler, uh, drafted in either the second or the third round. So, so it wasn't a, a, an obvious slam dunk uh, pick right when it happened. But, man, he's just turned out to be not, not only a great player, but, but a great person as well. And I remember watching his tape, and it just seemed like, especially from an interior offensive lineman, those guys, sometimes they don't really stand out uh, on tape when you're watching a lot of them. But, but he absolutely did, and then he's just continued that in the NFL. Yeah, he's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite things about the Browns in general is just that offensive line. So I'm really yeah. glad that happened to be one of them and it wasn't somebody I was like, oh, man, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> <So. laughs> there, so. there were plenty of stinkers that I watched too, but uh, yeah. at least there, there, there was at least one success in there. I like it. I like it. All right, well, we're obviously not here to talk Browns. We are going to get into the Denver Broncos. So – and we'll start with kind of the pre-draft, right? So we saw the Denver Broncos trade their first-round picks. They they achieved Russell Wilson in the last offseason. Then they do it again this year, trade a first uh, and go and get their coach, hopefully their coach of the future in Sean Payton. So, Zach, does 
should people be excited that, hey, we moved our first round picks for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton? How's the city feeling about it? What's the vibe? You know, just how's it going right now? The trade for Russell Wilson went through unofficially 14 months ago from today. And the tone back then couldn't be a different 180 from what it is right now about the trade. At first, it, it honestly felt like the Broncos got a, got away with murder by by, pay, by trading uh, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, uh, and, and a couple of good players in Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and then backup quarterback Drew Lockett. It really felt like, man, that's all the Broncos had to give up in order to have their quarterback for the next you know seven to ten years. When Russ got here, he actually said 12 years is how much longer he wanted to play. It felt like especially – in just dark ages again that the Broncos had been in with the quarterback situation since Peyton Manning left. Uh, it was like, wow, this is all it's going to cost. What a fantastic trade. Russell Wilson coming off what people thought was a bad season, 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. That's incredible play for a quarterback, especially when you're dealing with just uh, the revolving door of quarterbacks that the Broncos have had. So 14 months ago, this trade was an absolute lock. It was a steal for the Broncos. And then everyone actually saw how it unfolded last year and the entire nation. I mean, you guys saw it firsthand. The Broncos had almost the max number of primetime games. And every time they were on primetime, it was the Broncos were scoring nine points a game. I think they averaged 10 points a game in their primetime games. And they didn't average much more outside of those primetime games. The worst offense in the NFL. And obviously it was a disaster with the coach as well, with Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel brought so much energy and it looked like he was going to bring, uh, you know, the offense that that produced back to back MVPs and Aaron Rodgers the previous two years. And it just couldn't have been more of a disaster. So if you want to look at it now, people in Denver are certainly down on the trade. The Broncos ended up giving up uh, a top five overall pick and, and the ninth overall pick last year for it. And uh, on top of that, uh, so so. Everyone's very down on it. But if you want to have some hope around it, Sean Payton has, is one of the best offensive masterminds that this game has ever seen. If you look at the success that he had in New Orleans, it's unprecedented just how uh, many times the Saints were the best offense in the NFL, the best passing attack. So if anyone was going to turn Russell Wilson around, it would be Sean Payton. And so he's in charge to do that. And so you got to think, giving up just one first-round pick for Sean Payton, if there's anyone that's going to turn Russ around and get this organization back on track. It was going to be him. And people, if you want to be optimistic, you look at the final two games of what Russell Wilson did last year after they'd fired Nathaniel Hackett when they brought in uh, an interim head coach and Russell Wilson played the best ball uh, of his season last year. Wasn't saying a lot, but it was still much better than than we had seen from the rest of the season. And so you think, man, if an interim head coach and people that put to get put, put together uh, this this playbook for him with one week's notice, if they can do that with Russ, can't Sean Payton take him to another level? So there's a very, very, very guarded, very guarded optimism surrounding this a little bit, and and, and the, the the hope that. Sean Payton can turn Russell Wilson around over $15 million a year on Zach Allen and Sean Payton. One of the first things he did when he got to new Orleans in 2006 was he spent a lot of resources on their offensive line to build it up, to help whatever quarterback it was going to be turned out, ended up being drew Brees, And he built that offensive lineup in order to give drew Brees success exactly what he's doing he's taking that exact same philosophy to denver and with russell wilson like you spent set spending 13 million dollars on ben powers spending almost 18 million dollars a year on mike mcglinchey and mike mcglinchey they, they did overpay for him and they kind of admitted it they, they made it very clear that we're going to give you the best offer out there and so we want to lock you down that's why they were able to lock both of those guys down within the first two hours of free agency so uh it, it's a very fair criticism that the Broncos overpaid for those guys but Sean Payton didn't care he said this is my number one priority I'm going to need to do this and you also mentioned that with New Orleans they just kept spending money even when it seemed like they didn't have money and kind of got them into a really bad situation that New Orleans is still in right now and it honestly seems like New Orleans is just continuing to go down that path and it's very clear Sean Payton brought that philosophy here uh, he's on a five-year deal with the Broncos and he's going to make sure that he doesn't have a rebuilding couple of first years he 
wants to win right now. And he's going to, he's, I mean, the Broncos are $30 million above the cap for 2024 already. And coming into this year, the Broncos were in a good cap situation. So it just shows the Sean Payton effect. And for Broncos fans, that's a positive because they haven't won in so long that he wants to turn them around. And then you even see it in the draft. The Broncos don't have a first or a second round pick. And what does Sean Payton and the general manager, George Payton, do? They trade up to get into the second round in order to get Marvin Mims. Uh, and, and they trade up again to get in the third round to draft a cornerback, Riley Moss, out of Iowa. So they, he's very aggressive, and he's going to spend those resources. He's not going to wait. Yeah, I, I love it. We talked about the offensive line. And then we took that into the defensive line. But before that, I just want to reiterate, we are here with Zach Evans. That is at Zach, Z-A-C, Stevens, D-N-V-R on Twitter. You can find his work at thednvr.com. And talking about the offensive line, he's got an article. Make sure you get out there and check it out as to why he thinks these additions to the offensive line could make the def- the Denver Broncos on the bottom half of the league in sacks allowed, which is what every team wants. They want to be one of the better offensive lines and allow the least number of sacks possible. So make sure you check his workout at thednvr.com. So we talked about the defensive line a little bit. You know, you lost Bradley Chubb in the last offseason. They bring in – or well, you didn't lose him. You traded him. You bring in Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator. What do people have to look forward to with Vance Joseph and some of this newly revamped defensive line that you talk about? Well, Vance Joseph, what a story. Was the Broncos coach, uh, head coach, then got fired after two very disappointing seasons, but he was dealt a tough card because he wasn't given a good quarterback situation. And you guys know how it is in the NFL. If you don't have a good quarterback, you've got to overcome a lot of things in order to get good quarterback or bad quarterback play to turn into wins. And so that's what Vance Joseph was dealt. He comes back here to Denver as just managing the defensive side. And Vance Joseph brings... uh, Uh, an aggressive defense, and that's going to be key for this Broncos team. Vance Joseph's going to have to line these guys up in the right position in order to get after the quarterback, because like you said, Broncos did not have a lot of success, especially after trading Bradley Chubb uh, last year. They did not have success in the second half of the season getting after the quarterback. The Broncos do have some talent there, specifically Randy Gregory paid him $14 million per season, and he's just a guy when when, when he's healthy, he can be a game wrecker, but that's a pretty big if. And so Vance Joseph is going to have to dial up pressure from other ways. Baron Browning is a talented pass rusher who converted from inside linebacker to outside linebacker in order to brush the passer last year, but that's going to be a big key for the Broncos and really determine their ceiling of how good this defense is, is how effectively can they get after the passer? Because that secondary, they just re-signed Kareem Jackson to go along with Justin Simmons, making one of the best sets of safety duos in the NFL. And then you have Pat Sertan, one of the, if not the best cornerbacks in the league. So their secondary is going to be great. Run support, it, it, it's it's going to be good enough. It's just about how effective Vance Joseph is at being able to dial up pressure. And because they have Pat Sertan, I expect a, a, a lot of blitzing coming from this Broncos defense in order to get after these quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and, and Justin Herbert. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about Marvin Mims a little bit earlier. We're talking about the defense now. They did add some in the def- some on the defensive side of the ball in the third round. And and Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this question over to you regarding the NFL draft. Yeah, so um, we are, we'll we we'll go back to Marvin Mims. So I'll, I'll go to the defensive side of the ball and, and our IDP guys. I'm not sure if you know what that is, Zach, but our IDP guys are going to love Drew Sanders. He is – Drew Sanders, an Alabama transfer. He had nine and a half sacks. He was behind the line of scrimmage all over the field last year, and you guys got him in the third round. And then you got Riley Moss, and then you got J.L. Skinner. He's a little bit of a slower corner – but he's also one of those guys that can play close to the line of scrimmage, support the run, and he's a versatile player for that defense. So what are your thoughts about those three players on the defense? Uh, I think maybe two could can end up being starters for you this year. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically with Drew Sanders, I mean, he is, he is one of the more interesting uh, prospects in the entire draft. A little surprised, actually, that he fell to the Broncos uh, in the 60s because he is a guy uh, where when you're trying to understand what position he plays, you kind of 
similarly compare it to Micah Parsons. Now, he's certainly not Micah Parsons in terms of a player, or else he would have been a top five pick in this draft. But being able to play inside, being able to play outside, uh, and then blitz is just huge. He was the number one recruit coming out of the state of Texas. State of Texas, that, that's pretty impressive. Went to Alabama, was playing at Alabama, but just wanted to be able to do whatever he wanted. Nick Saban wasn't going to allow that to happen. So he went to Arkansas where they opened him with open arms and he had a hundred tackles last year with 13 and a half tackles for a loss and almost 10 sacks just shows that he can be an inside outside guy. And with all three of those guys that you talked about, I don't think any of them are going to be week one starters this year, but if by the middle of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if two of the three are starting. And then really next year, uh, Riley Moss should be a starting cornerback for the Broncos. And then you also have Drew Sanders, who is pretty much penciled in to be that starter come next year. And Drew Sanders is a guy who he brings playmaking to that inside linebacker position. And that's tough to find, especially with the Broncos. They've had some very solid inside linebackers. In fact, they have two right now who are going to be the starters week one in Josie Jewel and Alex Singleton, but they're not game-changing type of players consistently. You get that potential with Drew Sanders. Any second-year breakout guys on the defense we should look for, like maybe Nick Benito or anyone like that? Man, Nick Benito's uh, rookie year was just so disappointing. He was the Broncos' first pick in the draft last year, although being a second-round pick, but the Broncos didn't have their first-round pick when they gave it up uh, it, for Russell Wilson. And Nick Benito, like I said, there, there's the, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb were the starters, but then there was just so much opportunity for another outside linebacker to step up. And instead of it being Nick Benito, you saw – three or four other guys get opportunities before Nick Benito. So the Broncos honestly aren't really counting on him being that guy this year. So if he were to break out, that would be such a pleasant surprise and, and something that's very needed because they have to get after the the quarterback. Greg Dulcich kind of broke out on the scene last year, uh, especially from a fancy perspective, had some games where he was just blowing up. Um, I don't think I don't get the the feeling that Sean Payton is as high on him as the Broncos were last year. So Sean Payton's going to use him, but I don't think he's he's set to take that next step this year. I think it's going to be much more uh, a, a, of a slow progression for Greg and Sean's offense. And a trans- transition right to the offense like a pro. Um, so Marvin Mims was really I mean you got, you got a center in the seventh round, but really Marvin Marvin Mims being your first pick. You're already pretty good at the receiver position, one of the better receiving rooms in in the draft. And Cortland Sutton, all the rumors, when I saw the Marvin Mims pick, I expected Cortland Sutton to be traded that night or over in the morning, you know, on the next day. Um, You got Tim Patrick coming back from injury, Javante Williams coming back from injury. You added Samaje Ryan. This is a pretty good set of weapons for Sean, Sean Payton to play with. Um, what do you, what do you think the offense is going to look like this year? Yeah. I mean, the, the talent's definitely there. It's just all kind of come down to Russell Wilson, uh, and, and Javante Williams, the team, the closer we get to the start of the season, the less confident the team is that he's going to be ready to go week one. So that's a big thing to watch specifically for fantasy purposes. And, and Samaj P Ryan right now, he's going to be the Broncos bell cow. He's never been a bell cow running back before. So you got to be a little uneasy there, but what I expect this offense to look like is drastically different than last year's offense. Last year's offense was all about letting Russ cook. It was all about giving Russell Wilson whatever he wanted, letting him throw the ball as much as he wanted. That's what Nathaniel Hackett pretty much said from the day he was hired. And at first, it made a lot of sense. When you have a superstar quarterback, uh, just just let them do their thing. Well, it turns out Russell Wilson needs a lot of help in order to be the Russell Wilson of old. And so Sean Payton's made it very clear he's going to give Russell Wilson that help by kind of taking the keys away from him. This is going to be not a true run-first offense, but in today's NFL, it's going to be one of the, the more run-heavy teams that we see and then let Russell Wilson work off play action. Let Russell Wilson really focus on just throwing the deep ball instead of trying to manipulate the line of scrimmage like Peyton Manning used to do and these great quarterbacks do. I think Sean's really going to take a lot off his plate. The one line that Sean used was, we got to take Russ off of the high dive. We got to take some things away from him in order to for him to play better. So uh, while I think that 
the Broncos on paper, especially if Javante Williams isn't healthy, uh, it doesn't seem like a running team. They're going to commit to the run until Russell Wilson really gets comfortable in this offense. And you look at Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey, two really good run-blocking offensive linemen that they went and spent money on. And we, you, you mentioned Marvin Mims. I think even with a crowded receiver room, Marvin Mins is going to have a pretty substantial role on this offense. It's easy to say, well, you have Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, Tim Patrick. Marvin Mims is going to be your number four receiver. That's not going to be the case. I think Marvin Mims is at least going to be your number three receiver and have the opportunity to put up big-time production. He is the Broncos' deep threat. Russell Wilson, one of the things that he does the best is throw that moon ball deep, and I think he's Marvin Mims might capitalize on that more than anyone else on this team, and we've seen it. Well, Sean Payton has had three rookie thousand-yard receivers. I'm not necessarily saying that Marvin Mims is going to do that, but Sean Payton is not afraid to play a rookie. And Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, all of those guys were here before Sean Payton. Those aren't his guys. Marvin Mims is his guy. That was his first pick in in, in the draft with the Broncos that they traded up for. So I I do think, especially for a rookie, a second-round pick, he's going to have quite a role. Yeah, I traded up for Marvin Mims in my rookie draft today. Uh, I'm a big Marvin Mims guy. I'm going to steal that stat. And I've been talking about, you know, he he's always had a, a Brandon Cooks, a Lance Moore, a Devery Henderson, some someone that's going to really stretch the the defense. And you look at that play action pass, he made magic with Tyler Lockett. And none of those guys have that skill set that Marvin Mims does. The ball tracking, the the body control, this the deep field. Uh, it's 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 a skill being able to catch the ball that way, um, you know, similar to a center fielder versus, you know, doing a, a, a catch over the middle of the field five yards out. So the last question I have about offense, do you think there's any other moves they're going to make this offseason? Um, there's a couple, you know, a, a couple running backs and older running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt that are out there looking for work. There's probably a couple older receivers, but really not much there as far as the other positions. But any other moves to expect from the Broncos or is this it? Yeah, you, you mentioned one of the running backs. Kareem Hunt is, is a name to keep an eye on for the Broncos. The Broncos had some interest in Kareem before free agency started, and uh, things they, 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 the, they wanted to wait through the draft. They didn't draft a running back in the draft, and so now I think Kareem Hunt is a guy that they could bring in. Like I said, Samaj P. Ryan is a very good complementary back. He's proven that in the NFL. He was very good complementary back with the Bengals, with Joe Mixon, but he just he's never proven to be a bell cow type of back he's 240 pounds and if you don't have javante williams for the first half of the season your backup right now is tony jones jr who has only taken a couple of snaps at running back uh, and only had a couple of carries in his career so i think they really need to add not just a compliment to samaje but maybe even a number one to samaje until javante williams is back so i think kareem hunts the the name to keep an eye on no, I love that. I, I was definitely thinking they were going to add a running back, someone like a, a Devin A. Chain or one of the pass catching specialists. You know, I knew they weren't going to get Gibbs, but um, no, I, I love it. Appreciate it. Uh, Brad, what do you got for us? Yeah. Hey, I think that's it. Zach, we're going to get you out of here. Let everybody know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, I'm over at Zach Stevens DNVR on Twitter. And then, like you said, the, uh, the DNVR.com. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, hey, no, we appreciate it. Uh, and we'll kick everybody your way for sure for any Denver Broncos questions. So, All right, thanks, Zach. I appreciate it, guys. All right, appreciate it. Without further ado, hey, good luck this season and cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed being on. Have a All good right. night. You too. Cool.